Okay, I want you to, for a moment, imagine with me. You know, we're, we're, we're looking back now, you know, 2,000 plus years when Jesus walked on the face of the earth when he was born, about 2,000 years ago when he died, and, and then on the third day, he, re- he rose from the dead. We're, we're looking back at that this week. A lot of people call this the week of Christ's passion. We remember it. Uh, Thursday is kind of the, the best day we can kind of figure that, you know, on our calendar, matching up with that Jewish calendar, that it, Thursday of this week is the day we'll be remembering the Last Supper, you know, that we now talk about as communion and we share as communion. And, and then all night long, he was kept awake because they were beating him. They were, they were, they were, uh, abusing him. The next morning they crucified him. So that's Friday. We call that good Friday around here these days, right? That's why we call it that. So we're, we're looking at all this and, and, and he dies that day. They bury him. And, and then on, on Sunday morning, on the third day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, on the third day, he wakes up, he gets up out of the grave and comes back to life. Okay. So that's what we were, we're remembering. And, and so next week I really want to preach to you. I want to preach to you about, uh, about that life that, that Jesus, and, and Jesus is the ultimate revenant because he is the one that was dead and is alive again and alive forevermore. And I'm really going to preach that to you next week. But I got some stuff I've really got to sow into you right now. Get into your hearts and minds and thoughts to get ready for that. So today we're talking about blood lost. Okay. So we're talking about the blood today, the blood that he shed when he, when he was crucified on Calvary, the blood that he shed when he took the stripes on his back, when they beat him, they took the stripes on his back for our healing. That's what the word of God says. So we want to talk about the blood, but here, let me, let me ask you to imagine with me, if you will, you know, about 2000 years ago that the followers of Christ, they actually understood. Now, best we can tell, they didn't have a clue really. I mean, it's like they were blown away that Jesus got up on the third day after he talked so much about things. He specifically said, destroy this temple. I'm going to build it in three days. I'll take it right back up. I mean, he specifically told them the, the things that he was going to do, but they didn't get it. But imagine that they did. Imagine if they realized on the third day, Jesus is coming out of that tomb. They would have been camped out around that tomb like Black Friday shoppers around Best Buy. You know, they would have all been sitting there. They would have been, they would have had their tents, you know, and they would have been jockeying for position, get their tents because they want to see, you know. And I know they didn't have, but if they'd have had them, they'd have had their smartphones out ready, charged, and just waiting for it to come out. And then, then the sun begins to rise. Sunrise happens, and they're there, and they're anxious, and they're waiting, and the stone doesn't move. There's not even a rumble. They don't hear a sound. And there's no Jesus. Jesus doesn't show up. He doesn't come out of the tomb on that Easter, first Easter Sunday morning. He just doesn't show up. And they, they, I know this is what he said would happen. He's not doing it. And so, man, they're scratching their heads the rest of the day. I know this is what Jesus said would happen. I, I wonder, you know, maybe how long they would have stayed there and wait if, if they had gotten it. They didn't understand it, but if they had, how long they would have waited and waited and waited and Jesus didn't show up. And then the next day, you know, getting up and realizing, wait a minute, Jesus is still dead. He was supposed to get up. What, what is going on here? And, and, and you know, and, and, and being in doubt and having the fear of, of not knowing exactly what was going on. And then, then on Tuesday morning, Simon Peter gets up and he goes down to the local Starbucks. Okay, remember we're imagining, right? Y'all can go with me here, okay? Just follow me because it really fits the story really well, okay? So he goes to the local Starbucks and he walks in and he orders his normal, his grande, five pump caramel frappuccino. 
And y'all will not believe how much I had to practice that to say it because I don't drink that stuff. It was really hard because in my life, apple always follows caramel. I mean, that's just the way it is. And I couldn't stop saying that. I mean, the word apple always comes after caramel in my life. Uh, just so, you know, if you're passing a place that doesn't have the hot now sign on, caramel apples will work for the pastor just as much, okay? And just as well. So Simon Peter goes in and he orders, you know, his regular. And so he's kind of standing there and he's waiting, you know, for them to do whatever that is back there. He do, he, they do. I don't go in there very often because all I drink is sweet tea and I just don't like the amount of money they charge me for a sweet tea. You know, so I'm not in there a whole lot, but, you know, it's so he's just kind of hanging around there back there writing on his cup or whatever it is they're doing, you know. And he kind of turns around and he said, uh, he can't believe it. It's Jesus standing there. Je Jesus, what are you doing here today? I mean, you didn't, you didn't get up on Sunday like you said you were. What are you doing here? I, I don't understand, Jesus. And Jesus, oh, oh, it just slipped my mind on Sunday morning to, 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 to get up. I'm sorry, you know, just kind of had a whole lot, you know, going on in my life. And it just slipped my mind, you know, that, that, uh, that, that was actually, that, that it was actually that day, you know, because I, I, I'm always there for you guys. You know that, right? I was there the whole week before and I was there the week before I, I was, I've been there every week. You know, this is really the first promise that I've ever broken Simon Peter. So you ought to cut me some slack, right? You know, the first time I've ever broken a promise and I'll make you, listen, I'll make you, I'll never break another promise to you, Simon Peter, you know, uh, I promise because, you know, something Something came up. Uh, uh, I had a friend that had a thing, you know, and uh, this, this, this friend had this thing that kind of came up, and so I had to go do all of this and all of this, you know, and, and, and so, you know, that, that, you know, so just all this kind of, you know, kind of going on in life. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, you know, just kind of just missed the deadline that was there. I'm sorry for that, Simon Peter. So uh, what, what was my next excuse that he threw up there? Something came up, and then the next one for me. Kelly, what's the next one? Oh, yeah, I had a rough weekend. Now, listen, Jesus had a rough weekend, okay? And he says, I had a rough weekend, Simon Peter. Sorry, but, you know, man. And, and then on top of what everything else I had going on, I had that friend that had that thing come up, you know? And so I had that as well. And, you know, I really, whew, I just wasn't feeling it Sunday. You know, I know you guys, you know, but I just wasn't feeling it Sunday. And so I, I just had to sleep in, you know? Everybody needs a, needs a day to sleep in, and I just, I just kind of had to sleep in, you know, and, and just kind of try to, try, to, try to recoup with all of those things. And you know, really, Simon Peter, I just didn't really think you guys got it. I didn't really think y'all were expecting me that day, you know, even though, you know, I, I know I told you I'd be there, but I didn't really think you were expecting me that day. Can you imagine Jesus saying those things? You know, can you imagine? If anybody had the right to use all of those excuses, Jesus did. He had the worst three days in the history of bad weekends. But aren't you glad when it came time to go to his cross and when it came time to get up on East, the first Easter Sunday morning, Jesus didn't have an excuse that was more important than doing what he needed to do that day. That he was there for me. He was there for you. He, he died for my sins. He died for your sins. And nothing else was more important. That's the point. I, I know right now, you know, it'll be a really good time to preach for about two hours on excuses. Somebody say amen or oh me, right? Come on. Because there's one of them up there that probably ever, everyone in this room can probably find one of them up there that we use to God. You know, maybe we said it to somebody else, but we were making it to God. Okay, it'd be a good, easy excuse to preach on excuses right here, right now. That's not my point. 
Maybe a little bit it is, but here's my real point to you is this, is the reason Jesus didn't use any of those excuses that would have been at his disposal is this thing. If you're a Christian, he takes very seriously this thing that you and he have together. You know, we might not take it as seriously as he, but Jesus takes it very seriously. And that's why there are no excuses on, Je- on Jesus' side, there are no excuses. You'll never find him making an excuse. You'll never find him saying, I had too much else going on. You'll never find him saying something came up. You'll never find him saying, somebody else had a thing that I had to tend to or take care of. You'll never find him saying, I- I've had a rough day or weekend or week or month or century. You'll never hear him say that thing. He, would t- he took it very seriously. Let me just show you how seriously, and we're not going to have time to read a lot of scripture. All of these are linked on the, on the Sunday's page, though, and you can read them. Uh, Hebrews 9, 12 said that he entered the Holy of Holies, talking about Jesus once for all by his own blood. His own blood. I told you we're going to talk about blood, the blood that he lost. We're going to talk about that this morning. He, he entered the Holy of Holies in heaven. He entered that to, to pray for us, to intercede for us. To, to, to get the forgiveness of sins for us. And he did that how? With his own blood. All the other priests in the Old Testament, before Jesus lived, they went into the Holy of Holies, into this earthly temple, kind of like a church, but there's a whole lot more, lot, lot more ceremony, pomp, and circumstance going on in those things. And they went in, and they went in with blood, but it was the blood of some animal. Jesus went in with his own blood. In Matthew 27, 26, uh, Jesus was whipped and then handed over to be crucified. They beat him on his back. They, they plucked out his beard. They smote him, or they hit him with their fists across the face. And, and, and then they made him carry his cross to the top of the hill, and they nailed his two hands, and they nailed his two feet to the cross. And he, and he died and he lost it. But the thing about, the thing about what was going on there is as, as he was hanging there and he hung there for about six hours and, and with those punctures there in his feet, the blood, the blood, as his heart began to give out, the blood quit circulating and started pooling and it would pool and go down further and his hands up. Every drop of blood of his body was, was headed down toward those, those, those two wounds in his feet. And, and no doubt he lost probably nearly just about every drop of blood he had. He was willing to lose those drops of blood, though, because he was serious about this thing that you and he have. And John 19 and verse 34 says, one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear. This was after he had already died on the cross, still hanging there, and immediately blood and water came out. Now, you know, this morning, if I told you, and and I had some people approach me this week, but if I told you uh, about a mission and, and about a need that was there, and I said, you know, I need $5 from every family today and we can meet that need. You know what? I bet we would meet that need today because there's not a one of us probably that can't scrounge up $5, right? And especially if it's every family. I mean, you know, we, we, we'd all go out to the car and dig the change out of the seats, right? Or something. We could all find $5 or maybe 10 or 20 or if it was a really serious need that gripped our heart, $100, yeah, we could probably do that, but I know every family probably here could do five, but most of us would probably be able to, come on, we, we could find $100 if we wanted to, and if we saw that need, yeah, we could do that. Or if I said, look, after service, we've got to stack these chairs. Last Sunday after service, we wanted to help the Civic Center out. They had something going on in here, and so we stacked the chairs up for them because, you know, 
We like to be that kind of church, you know, and minister to people. So we did that. And if I ask you to do that, you know, there'd be a lot of you that you, you didn't, wouldn't have something you had to hurry out for. And you'd say, yeah, and you'd leave here sweating a little bit and whatever. We'd give $5. We'd give a little sweat. And we might even, like next week, starting next week, their the early service starts, and, and we're going to need some more load team members. You know what? I, I, I need some of you guys who just asked me, be here this afternoon for the Dream Team meeting and just hear about that. I, I need some of you guys just, just once every four, five, or six weeks to show up and, and, and help some of these people that are, that are working every single week. Help them give, them, a, give them a week off or something. You know, I need some, and if I ask, some of you guys will say, I can give up. You know, that's... That's getting here about 40 minutes before I need to be here anyway, maybe 45. I know some of you like to run in right at time, but you know, you would give that, wouldn't you? We give a little money. We give a little sweat. We give a little time. But Jesus gave every bit. He gave his blood. You don't loan blood. I mean, I know some of you, you give blood. You know, I've, I've given blood years past and hadn't done it in a while, you know, but, but we've given blood and, and it's almost like loan because our body builds it up. That's not what I'm talking about. He gave just about every drop of blood he had. He lost every bit of it. Why? Because he's serious about this thing that he has with you. He's serious about it. So here, here, here's, here's why I'm bringing this to your attention in this way today. is because Paul said it this way, okay, in, in, in the book of Romans. This is the way he said, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He says, I beseech you. Now, I chose to use the New King James translation of this because I like that word beseech. We don't use it around here a lot. So, you know, when I say urge, you, you know, urge, don't say, you know, it sounds like, okay, he's telling me I ought to do this. I Beseech, you don't use that word. So you hear the pastor say beseech. I mean, that sounds like, I don't know, Sounds like it's got a little more gravity to it to me. He said, I beseech you. I beseech you. Come on. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God. Do you remember the mercies of God? We were just singing about a few moments ago. Thank God for his mercies. I beseech you by those mercies that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is a reasonable service. And, and, and what he's kind of saying is here, Jesus died for your sins and you don't have to die anymore because he died for you. You deserve death for the stuff that you've done in your life, in your past, but you don't have to die for him. He's already died for you. He died for you. And now you get to live. I mean, your sacrifice is to let Jesus sacrifice was to die. And our sacrifice is to live. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that wonderful? And, and, and the only thing he really asks of us is be serious about it though. Is if Jesus died so very seriously, can we be serious about living for him? Because think about all that he did for us. This is just reasonable, right? I mean, if he could die for me, then it should be reasonable that I could live for him. Just do it with seriousness. Serious, why, why seriousness? Well, let me, let me tell you about why you need it to be serious, okay? It's because for without shedding of blood, Hebrews 9.22, there is no forgiveness. Somebody has to pay the penalty. When there is no shedding of blood, when there is no blood, there is no forgiveness. That's why this is serious. If you want to be forgiven, somebody had to shed blood. Jesus did that. This is serious. Uh, Luke 22 and verse 20. Uh, he says this cup is a new covenant. And this is on that night when he was eating the last supper for the, with the disciples. He was eating that, that what we call communion today, the final time. He said this cup is a new covenant between, between God and his people, an agreement confirming, confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you and 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 you. 
He's serious about this. It's a covenant. It's an agreement. This isn't a game. This isn't something like we clock in for an hour and 15 minutes and clock out and we go, it's just a game. This is serious business. In Acts 20 and 28, he talks about how, how he purchased the church with his very own blood. And Luke 22, verse 44, that when the night before Jesus was crucified, like this Thursday night coming up, after they had that last supper, they went out in the garden and, and Jesus prayed and he prayed more fervently and he prayed and, and he prayed and the disciples kept falling asleep. They weren't serious. And Jesus kept coming back to him and said, come on, can you not stay awake an hour with me? Come on, help me out here, guys. And he prayed more fervently and, and he was in such great agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. He was serious about this. And my father-in-law, who's now been gone for a little over 14 years, passed away about 14 years this was, this was one, of the, one of the areas that he liked to talk to me about when it was just me and him kind of talking. And he, he loved that story. And what he, what he remembers about that, the way he used to say it was this, is he said in the garden, when Jesus was there on, on that, over that stone when he was praying, what Jesus was doing is he was bargaining for our souls. Satan was wanting to take us to hell. He was wanting to destroy our lives. He was wanting to destroy our families. He was wanting to destroy our marriages. But Jesus was bargaining for it. This is serious people because it's about your marriages it is about your kids these kids that we just dedicated and the other ones that we've already dedicated or those that are older now this is serious business and Jesus he took it seriously this wasn't show up for an hour and 15 minutes sing a couple of songs let's go home they did that earlier in the evening but then he went to he went out to a place and found it and he bargained for our souls and he bargained for our future and he bargained for our eternity he bargained for our forgiveness this is why this is serious. Let, let me show you, and I, and I knew I wouldn't have time to read all these. So let me just show you a bunch of more stuff that the blood of Jesus did. I mean, there it is, Hebrews 9, 14. It cleanses our consciousness. You know, I'm gonna get in trouble right here if I'm not careful because I wanna preach every one of these verses to you, but I don't have time. Oh, but please, if you, go, if you go to the Sunday's page, you can click on one link and it'll list them all. All of these verses, word for word, it'll list every one of them right there. But right there, he, I got to say this about this. It says, by his blood, he cleansed our consciences. You know all that stuff that has been put into your conscience? Some of it is guilt stuff because of things you've done. And some of it is other things that people have put inside of you because people have done things to you, said things to you, been things to you. And you've got all this stuff inside of your, your brain and your mind and whatever. And he says he cleanses our consciences. Is he, so some of you feel like, I'll never get over this guilt, I'll never get over this condemnation, and I'll never, I'll never get over all this junk that I put in my, yes you can, because your conscience can be cleared by the blood of Jesus, one thing you got to do, and you, when, as, the more you live for him, you'll see this happening, but you got to quit feeding the other side, okay? You quit feeding the other side and let him do it, he will cleanse your conscience. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 says he redeemed us, you know what redeem means, right? It's like you go pawn something and what happens after that? You go back and you redeem it and you get it back. We were pawned. Adam and Eve pawned us into sin. Pawned us into, you know, I mean, it sounds cliche, but pawned us into Satan's pawn shop. Well, Jesus showed up at the Garden of Gethsemane that night. And he said, I'm here to bargain and I'm here to buy them back. And he has redeemed us, purchased us in Revelations 5 and 9. Colossians says he, he forgave our sins. Do you know you're forgiven today? If you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're forgiven. That means Satan, he can, t he can 
tell God anything he wants to about your past and about all of your sin. You know what God says, looks back at him and says, you know, I can't recall that. You know why he can't? Because Jesus has already paid it and it is thrown, the word of God says, it is, it, it is cast as far away from it as the east is from the west. That's how far God has cast our sin from us because of the blood of Jesus. In Hebrews 10, 22, you're innocent. You know, if you go to, go to court, you're arrested, you go to court, you get to plead something, right? You know what? When, when Satan wants to, he, he wants to accuse, you get to plead something. Plead the blood. You know, in court, you can plead that you were, you were guilty, but you were innocent by reason of, of, of temporary insanity. You know, when you go before God and you need something, if it's forgiveness of sin or you need a healing or you need a financial miracle and you go before him, you know what you can plead? You can say, yeah, I'm guilty of all kinds of stuff, but you know, I plead that Jesus Christ has already paid for every one of my sins. And when you plead that, then, then God says you are now innocent. And all that is wiped away. Hebrews says you're holy. First Peter said because you were chosen by the Father. This is not an accident. This didn't just happen. You might think that you're here today because somebody offered to buy you a steak after church. That's another little story from a couple of weeks ago. If you did, my, by all means, I'll help you on that. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, another little story. You think you might be here by accident or you're just here for a free meal after service that somebody's going to take it. No, you were chosen by God. And, and, and the person who invited you to come to church, maybe today, or some of you have been Christians now for 10, 20 years or more. The very first day that you came, you think some, you're there because somebody invited you. No, you are there because God the Father himself chose you and sent one of his children to invite you to bring you to church. And Revelation 7, 14 says we're washed. First John says we're purified. And because of that, Colossians says we are now reconciled back to God. We are no longer separated, but we are reconciled. Just like that prodigal that John, uh, Jeff preached about last week, that we are reconciled back to him. Romans 5, 9 says we are justified. Do you know what that means to be justified? Do you know what it means to stand before God and to know all the sin and all the bad that you have done, all the things that you have committed in your past, yet to be able to stand and to throw your shoulders back and raise your hands in worship and say, but it doesn't matter because of the blood of Jesus, I stand here today justified. And there is, there is, no, there is no accusation anybody can throw against me because I am justified by the blood of Jesus and you're freed. You are set free. Come on. If, you, if you're walking in sin today, if you've become a Christian and you've walked back into sin and you're walking in sin today, that's your fault because Jesus Christ freed you. You don't have to live with that anymore. You don't have to live with the payment of sin anymore. You don't have to live under the bondage anymore. He has paid that price for you and you are free from that. Revelation says triumphs. And Jamie said a little while ago, we have overcome him. Yeah, we've overcome. We have triumphed you know and you know how we're going to triumph because of the blood of the lamb because the blood what satan didn't realize he thought he was killing jesus he thought he was putting jesus out of his way when he had him crucified on calvary but what he did was he released jesus because jesus was god's son come in the flesh and when he killed that flesh he just turned Jesus loose. The blood that was, that was lost on Calvary won every battle you and I will ever have to face because now Jesus is not limited to a little flesh and blood body in one place, but he is everywhere fighting every battle. And Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19 says, because of that blood, we are welcomed into his presence. I want you to take that seriously because in just a couple of seconds, I'm about to invite you to come. And we're in his presence because the word of God says we're two or three gather in his name. He says, I am in your presence. 
But I want you to see yourself as you come forward today as walking into his presence. We're invited into his presence. And every one of those things, they're all, if you read the scriptures, you'll see they're all, they, all of these scriptures are tied to the blood of Jesus. And this just opens the door for everything else that we would ever have need of. It's, it, you kind of have to go through it a little bit, like talk about the healing. It doesn't say the blood. It says the stripes. Well, the stripes just, they laid open bare his back so that the blood could flow. That's where the healing comes from. Everything you need is because of the blood. And so I want you to take very seriously today. If you're a first-time attender, we like to close around front with a final song and a final prayer. Today we're going to close with communion and a song and prayer. And I want you to take very seriously today this walk to the presence of God. That because he was so serious about dying for me, I want to be serious about living in this moment for him. I remember the uh, church treasurer, the first church that I pastored, he would lead a song every once in a while and often he would like to say, singing a lie is just as bad as telling a lie. You know what, that stuck with me. And there's some songs I, I have just not even say the words when we get to a line that said, that ain't scriptural. I mean, sometimes we, 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 we don't pay attention when we write songs. And what I'm saying to you is when I sing a song, I'm serious about that song. Man, get serious. I want you to be so serious when you come. Now, that doesn't mean boring. It means serious. It means I'm, I, I'm here on purpose. You got a purpose this morning? I normally, if I ask this question, I normally do it when you're down here. Let me ask this. How many of you need God to do something amazing for you? You've got a need that you need amazing. Raise your hand if you do. Come on. How many of you need something amazing? I mean, be serious. Be serious about raising your hand. Be serious about this walk. Let's be serious about communion. Let's be serious about this last prayer. Let's be serious about this last song. Let's be serious because he was serious. Stand with me if you will and move this way if you will. And if you are a first-time attender, we would love to have you join us. If you're comfortable, please come join us at the front for the close. Ushers are already here with elements of communion, if you will. As you come down, just go ahead and take one. Adam's right here in the middle. If you'll go ahead and take one for you. If you want to get, one of you wants to come and get them for all of your family, come on. You don't have to be a member of the church or even a regular attender to protect communion with us. If you're a member of the family of God, that's what this is about. This is, this is not about 2911. This is about the family of God. And we would welcome you to join us in communion in the closing of this service today. We would welcome you in that. Let me say this while everybody's still getting, getting their elements. Is when we finish with communion, the prayer team is going to move in place as Jamie sings and leads us in the last song. The prayer team is going to move in place because they want to pray with you over your needs. You're sick in body, you need a financial miracle, you need a new job. Somebody raised their hand, a bunch of you raised your hand and said, I need something amazing this week then when the prayer team gets in place, just walk right up, ask, take them by the hand, because the Word of God says where two agree concerning anything, 
it shall be done. Jesus said, it shall be done of my Father in heaven when two agree concerning anything. So I invite you to come take someone by the hand and agree that that's going to happen today. Okay? I got one last scripture. I want to read and share with you just one little thing. But before I read that, I I want us to go ahead and move into the communion just a little bit, okay? And when we're done with communion, please just close your eyes and pray. If you've got a need, come forward to a prayer team member or whatever. I need one of those items before y'all walk away. Um, But then just stay because we're going to sing a song. When we sing this song, when we sing this song about the blood of Jesus, I want you to sing it. I want you to look at every single word. I want you to be serious about this song today. I want you to be serious about this today. Let this begin a new chapter in your Christian walk. That this, this is serious. Jesus died for me. That's serious. That's serious. So let's do that. Does everyone have the cup? This Thursday night is the night that we will remember the final time that Jesus had what they call Passover. We now call the Lord's Supper or Communion. And first of all, he took bread. And he, he said, this bread's going to symbolize my body, guys. And it's going to be broken for you. So I, I, I always like to kind of just snap it in half. just a reminder to me his body, was, his body was brutalized. I mean, if you hadn't seen The Passion of the Christ, or if you forgot it, go, go watch The Passion of the Christ. I mean, that's, that's one just reminds you how his body was so brutalized. This is serious. This little wafer is so serious because it represents that broken body of Jesus. And when he says to eat it, he's saying, take me in. Just let this be symbolic of of receiving me into your life. So let's do that right now. Let's all take it in. I want you to get ready to drink this juice. But just before you do it, I want want to tell you this. I won't go to the scripture up here. But Jesus, he took this cup and he said, now this fruit of the vine here, this grape juice. He said, this symbolizes my blood. And he said, now, I want you to drink it. Don't drink it yet, okay? Because I, I want us to get real serious about this here for just a second. It symbolizes my blood. So when you take this, I want you, I want you to think about what this means. Now, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22, it talks about Jesus who is the mediator of this new covenant. This new covenant with God that he, that, that, that he bargained for in Gethsemane that night. A new covenant into the sprinkled blood, talking about his own blood, that he took and he sprinkled. Talking about Jesus' blood, sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Have you ever read that scripture? So what in the world is he taught? It speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Genesis chapter 4, Cain killed Abel. The first two brothers, Cain killed Abel. And God goes looking for Cain. And God says, Cain, what have you done? Not because God doesn't know, but what have you done? Because the voice of your brother's blood cries out from the ground. And what did, you ever thought about what it cried? What did it cry? It cried, no doubt, vengeance. I've been done wrong. I mean, what does blood always cry? When you were a little boy, some of you guys got punched in the nose and you Blood started flowing. What did you want, man? Blood. 
Time for some vengeance here. Blood always cries for vengeance. The blood on the streets that we see in TV today. The blood in other countries that we see in wars, battles that are actually happening right before our eyes live on TV. And, and we see blood and it cries out for vengeance. But Paul writes here and he says, but this blood that was shed on Calvary, it speaks a better word because it doesn't speak vengeance. It speaks forgiveness. And so when you take this, you're not taking it to say, oh, let's do it. You're taking it to say, I have been forgiven. And so in that, with that purpose, that serious purpose that this blood, this blood speaks a better word, a, a word of forgiveness for me. Now take it with me and let's drink it. Amen. Amen. Bow with me right now. Oh, God, thank you.